Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the late pick five from Churchill Downs on Saturday, June 26th. This is show number 127, June 25th, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how do you feel about this big day of racing? Uh, pretty pretty good. Um, pretty hot. The heat dome has reached the Pacific Northwest, so I think this is good practice for the NHC this year, which will be in Las Vegas in August, so I'm kind of getting used to the heat so that when I go up there, I'll be all ready to, to handicap in the heat. You know, you want to be ready for all the conditions in advance, so this is good practice. Are you, uh, you pushing 100 degrees up there? Uh, it supposedly could hit over 100, yeah. Um really unusual to get that warm this time of year for sure but i guess it's like been 100 degrees in siberia this year so anything can happen (laughs) well uh i actually just got the email from holly short announcing the nhc contest in august and i am thrilled that woodbine will be one of the racetracks because we usually don't get to play woodbine that's one of my favorite tracks yeah, or Saratoga, or Del Mar, or Monmouth, or Ellis. So, yeah, it will be a much different set of racetracks and weather. I think it will be, you know, make it that much better. I mean, the quality of racing will be an order of magnitude better than we're used to in the NHC. So that'll be a big improvement, I think. Yeah, we'll see how it affects the players. You know, uh, I tend to, I tend to think that I handicap better with the higher quality racing but i think most people feel that way so it'll be interesting to see you know who emerges in the top 10 in the final table this year yes it will definitely be a little bit different in terms of the races people are playing and you know luck always comes into play as well but i mean the good part will be even on the sunday which typically the racing sort of isn't the same caliber as you'd like to have on the final day of the NHC. I think with Saratoga and Del Mar Sunday racing, you know, the quality should be good even through the end of the final table. So I'm really looking forward to that. Play in the sport of Kings NHC qualifier starting every month. Each month, the top 50 players who are NHC tour members advance to round two, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get tour points. Join the NHC Tour before any monthly round one begins. If you join the Tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the Tour, use promo code SPORTOFKINGS so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contests with free DRFPPs, 
Go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. And we have a special returning guest. He won the NHC in 2011. He also founded Optics EQ, the handicapping product that is up and coming. He's John Doyle. John, welcome back. Hey, Scott. Thank you. It's great to be back. I'm excited. I want to hear you guys' opinions on this pick five. It looks kind of exciting, kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've got like one race where I'm really looking for help from you guys. Um, now, actually, since we're doing this pick five, and we're also, you're presumably using Optics EQ, I want to ask you a question. Two of the races have a lot of second-time starters, right? The first two legs are two-year-old stakes races. And I was just wondering, how do you handle that kind of information when some of these horses won on a slow pace in their debut? Um, sometimes they won you know, five for a long race, and it was the only one that day. How does that get factored into the circles and squares on the optics? Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit more difficult, right, because it's the only the one race. But, I mean, we, that's basically what we're taking, that one race. So it's not, we don't have a choice of which races we might want to take or how we want to look at it. So in that instance, I rely really on the visuals, our optics notes. So how did, how did the horse actually look in the race? I mean, there's, there's certain things about, certain aspects about these horses that ran as I was watching the videos um, where you could see there's, there's some issues with some of them and there look like some upside with some of the others. So hopefully the visuals and the optics notes help fill in some of the gaps where it's hard to, it's difficult to understand what a horse's run style might be when they're developing, right? Still early on. So that's where we use notes. Okay, that seems uh, reasonable enough and uh, pretty consistent with the way I handle these races. Chris, did you have any questions for John? Yeah, John, from the optics viewpoint, some of the, st the statistics that you look at, is there anything special about Churchill Downs, you know, any of the distances or surfaces or any characteristics that, that players might want to keep in mind when they're handicapping races? Yeah, the one thing about Churchill, first of all, Churchill is kind of interesting because of the weather. You know, it just seems like there's never the same track uh, every day or every hour at Churchill. Uh, so sometimes that's a little bit difficult. But I, there's one scenario I look for, and it's kind of a the, the when the pace dynamics are kind of hot at Churchill, sometimes you can get that deep closer at a big price. And, you know, what it looks like on an optics plot is, you know, you got a lot of circles kind of in quadrant one, and they're bunched together, you got a square. And sometimes these horses uh, are inferior on paper, but just the dynamics of certain races. And that, you know, you see it, you don't see it maybe once, twice, you know, like um, every couple of days. But when you see it, you should pay attention to it, Churchill, because it just seems like um, it could deliver some good results and some good uh, mutuals. So look for that, uh, what I call uh, kind of the hot, high speed, high contention, and look for, you know, deep closures with squares just seems like it pops at Churchill more than others and it's something to look for especially in those one turn kind of races those uh, up to a mile seems Great. like we may have some of those uh, today <laughs> yeah might play in the Sport of Kings DRF Bets Summer Challenge each weekend in June the top 50 players will win a $25 credit to their DRF Bets account don't have an account? well we'll give you one the top 50 also advance to the DRF Bets 4th of July Finals. We'll have nine races that three-day weekend, and top prize will be a $200 credit to DRF Bets. Play every week as you can win more than once. Don't delay. 
Go to sportofkings.net right now. Let's hit the pick five. Let's get started. Starts with the eighth race at Churchill. It's the debutante stakes, a six furlong dirt race for two-year-old fillies, purse of 150000 And, John, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty much on the number one wicked uh, halo and behave Virginia, the number seven. I just think these horses, just watching the races, I just like their races better than the others in here. Um, Wicked Halo, I, I don't know, you know, who she beat that uh, Lone Star, but uh, did it well. And I really like the gallop out. That's uh, you know, so you know, she just popped out of the gate, just really, just kind of won, got pressure, and then just drew off, and then galloped out really nicely. So I, I, I liked her race. And then the uh, McPeak horse behaved Virginia. I mean, she, the pace wasn't that hot, but she had pressure, and she really looked very professional winning. I just like them a lot more than the others in here, like Tis Plenty, and and I guess it was, um, you know, on the ones and twos came out of the same race. And Tis Plenty, to me, uh, physically doesn't look up to par. And while on the ones and twos physically looks like a big horse, I think she's got some issues the way I'm, I'm just was watching her run in that race. She does a little cross frying or, or whatever. It just seems like her back legs and front legs <laughs> got a little bit uh, mixed up during the running of that race. And I just don't like, especially if she ran such a big race, I don't like her coming back and then trying to duplicate that. She was seven to one in that race versus two plenty. And now, you know, I think she was five or six to one. She, you know, so she had some action, but I just don't, like those two and i think if i was going to back up on a pick five just just for um purposes i would look at cartel queen she just kind of looks like a a gamer it looks like she's a trier and you know like just you know sometimes these races for whatever reasons these horses don't replicate their form i think she's just at least she's had two races under her belt and she just looks like she's tried so for me one seven maybe a backup on two and i'm just i'm going to play against some of those other horses that'll take action Okay, Wicked Halo should be near a, what projects to be a pretty hot pace, at least on time form. I'm not sure about optics. Are there a lot of circles on that one? Uh, no. I mean, if you look at, if you kind of look at it, I mean, from an optics pod standpoint, the one and seven kind of stand out. They're both big squares, roughly in quadrant one. So, you know, they do kind of stand out on that. The eight also has a big square, but again, it's a little bit lower down in the quadrants, and I just don't like her duplicating that form. And again, like I said, I just didn't like physically. I mean, the way she ran, I just don't like that. But um, yeah, one and seven also kind of a superior on the plot right now. Okay, let's uh, look to another perspective. Chris, what are you thinking here? Well, just I want to start a little bit just in general, these two-year-old baby races, which I'm not a big fan of betting, but couple things to keep in mind when you look at those i mean the obvious part is they're underexposed and they typically only only have like a one race um under their belt a couple of them have maybe more than one so that makes it tough because you never really know if what you what you've got yet but other thing to keep in mind is when you do get speed figures on these horses they're they're probably the least reliable of any kind of speed figure because um, they're running at distances that are probably not being run at by any other horses on the card, you know, five furlongs, four and a half furlongs. And also there's nothing to project off of within the race. So 
you know, these speed figures you get, I would take them all with, a, you know, quite a few grains of salt. And in fact, some of the figure makers don't even make, they don't even try to make a figure for some of the races sometimes. So just keep that in mind. The speed figures are really suspect. And, you know, these horses can improve dramatically from one start to the next. So you want to be a little bit leery of taking a short price. So I just want to kind of preface everything with that. And um, just to follow up on what John had said, I, I also thought Wicked Halo was the most impressive horse. The horse just popped out of the gate, you know, which I really like in these two-year-old races. You want a horse that breaks cleanly. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of like, oh, that horse broke poorly and, you know, it, it'll run a lot better next time because if it breaks clean, look how good it'll be. Um, there's a good chance it might not break clean again in the next race. I'd much rather have a horse that I've seen, you know, pop out of the gate the way that one did. Um, and it seemed pretty professional all the way through and it's by Gunrunner. And I kind of like these two-year-olds in the early stakes races with these freshman sires because they're trying to make a name with the horse and they like to brag about, oh yeah, you know, they want to have their horses already got a stakes winner kind of thing. So I think they tend to choose some of the mares to be precocious so that they can, you know, get some early winners. And so, you know, having that gun runner is another plus on Wicked Halo. And then also, you know, Scott said there's a lot of speed in here, but the two speed horses to me look like um, the one and the three Wicked Halo and Tis Plenty, and they're both Asmussen horses. And I'm going to think, I got to think that they're probably not going to want to get into a big speed duel. So, you know, that that might factor into things as well. Um, I kind of see Wicked Halo breaking alertly, um, maybe on the lead if he breaks like he did before, but I, I could almost see, you know, Ortiz letting Tis Plenty go to the lead if he busts out there as well but so i i think the most likely winner probably is wicked halo but i also agree with um uh john that behave virginia is interesting just because mcpeak when he gets a, a philly that wins first asking as a two-year-old they're typically pretty good horses he's got and, and they usually run well the next time out so you know to me wicked halo and behave virginia i would kind of agree are the two that um, are the best. And on the ones and twos, you know, I, I agree that kind of weird action is always a concern. And typically the longer you go, the, the more that bad action is a negative. You then get away with it at you know five furlongs, but now they're going six furlongs or and if this horse does happen to win this race and go even longer, I, I think that becomes a bigger and bigger issue um, when they have that kind of funky action cross-firing or paddling or whatever it might be. So I'm kind of with John and everything. There is one long shot I kind of like in here, but I won't bring it up in case that's Scott's play. And if he doesn't pick that horse, uh, I'll talk about that one. Okay. I actually am using four in this race, but uh, I do have two that I think are kind of stronger plays than others. The first is in agreement with you guys, Behave Virginia. She broke from the inside, so she really had to go in her last race. She took some pressure on the lead, then pulled away with only one crack of the whip, and then she galloped out really big. I think she doesn't need the lead, and she has some talent. And uh, the only horse to have raced from that last race 
won a maiden at eight to one. So that'd be my top pick, Behave Virginia. But I, I actually really like on the ones and twos. And you know, I don't really like the price, but I you know, she got the best speed figure in her debut. She looked pretty beastly doing it to me. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not an expert on uh, you know the galloping form, so I'm not going to say much about that. But she galloped out big after that race, and she looked pretty beastly. So I wouldn't be surprised if she just blows this field apart. And uh, uh, not only did she run fastest as, as far as speed figures are concerned, you know, putting that grain of taking the taking it with a grain of salt, like Chris said. But she shows a noticeably better workout since that race. Uh, I do have a couple of price horses, but uh, I'll I'll get the roundtable started before I mention them. Oh, John already said everything. John, <laughs> he already said a lot, so he <laughs> yeah, might not, oh, okay, might not yeah, have no, much I more mean, to I, add. I really don't. Um, no, I don't. I mean, I, like I said, that my long shot, I guess, is the two, just because. Just she looks like a trier, you know. She just tries. I don't think physically she matches up with with some of these other fillies, but uh, at least she tries. And that that'll be it. The other the other horses really seem out of class uh, to me. All right, what's your long shot, Chris? So my long shot's kind of along the lines of what John pointed out uh, before we got started on the races about the one possible long shot play. Not so much off the optics plot, but. The five horse catch us if you can actually came from like eight lengths back in a four and a half furlong race on debut at Lone Star, which is kind of unusual. And so, you know, if the all the favorites we've talked about kind of hook up and, you know, they're all going six furlongs for the first time and if it, it, it heats up and they get tired late, you know, maybe catch us if you can is kind of clunk up tight that might, you know, be able to come flying past them all late and pull a big upset. So that would be the one long shot, the five catches if you can. I think it's actually going to be, um, uh, it was not aptly named if it runs the way it did last time. It was catching everybody rather than going out front and challenging them to catch it. But I think it might be the one that could clunk up. All right, I'm going to add two prices. One is uh, I'm echoing what John said about Cartel Queen. She shows a 46-2 and two gate work in April for a two-year-old filly. Uh, that's pretty impressive. She hopped in her debut and lost as the 4-5 to five favorite. In her next, she was off a bit slow and stuck on the inside of, a, of, of the two horses of the leader. She was right behind the leader, and there was another horse to her outside. She was kind of stuck in there, boxed in. She navigated that situation pretty well and won. So I think she has some upside. And I, I, I like... Any two-year-old that, uh, generally, I like two-year-olds that can come from behind in these races, you know, in their first or second race, because uh, a lot of them aren't going to be able to win unless they're on the lead. And if they've already proven they can do it off the lead, uh, that's uh, that's a good sign. The other horse I'm going to mention, and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Chris, in 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 the 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 the, the point you made about horses that start off slow. I think if they start off slow and then they still win the race, especially when they're a two-year-old, that's a really good sign because it shows that they've overcome some adversity 
to be able to win the race and didn't have to have it all their own way. And that's why I would absolutely use and suggest anybody who's listening to this and is like wondering, like, which one of these horses should I use? I would not play this pick five without classiness. Classiness is a, a horse that in the chart it says she was off a bit slow. But I saw the head-on replay because whenever there's like that kind of comment, I always look at the head-on to see like what really happened. She actually bumped into the gate, and that's why she was off slow. Um, so then she motored through on the inside like a pro. It was a handy win, and um, you know, overcoming that kind of trouble and still winning must use, in my opinion. So uh, those are the four I would use: Behave Virginia. On the ones and twos, Cartel Queen and Classiness. Yeah, just to clarify, I don't, I'm not against the horses that can raid and finish. What I, so I would love a horse that breaks alertly, settles and then finishes, settles off horses and finishes. That's great. What I don't want is a horse that breaks slow and not because someone hammered it, just because it doesn't get out of the gate very well and then rushes up. Um, those are the kind I don't want to have in a race like this. That's, that's yeah, I mean, there, there, there does have to be an excuse for the slow break, right? You don't want just a horse that just breaks slow. In the case of classiness, you know, if you look at the chart, it says she just was off a bit slow. And you might be like, hey, like she's, she gets off slow. But she got off slow because she hit the gate. So um, she bumped into the gate. Yeah, she, but to me, yeah, that's still, that's on her, though. I, 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 those are that I'm a little worried about that. Now, if, if she had gotten slammed by another horse or something, but yeah, I'm just worried the horse is going to break slow again this time. And, and, you know, to me, that's a negative, not a positive. Now, if you're getting a big price, like with classiness, sure. But like a horse, like, you know, cartel queen who's had slow starts twice now and six to one in the morning line. I don't want any part of that. And they're putting the blinkers on this time. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't want any part of that. I think that horse is going to break slow, and it's in with a lot of quicker horses this time, and it's going to be used hard, and it's not going to have anything for the end. So, you know, to me, the Cartel Queen's an example of a horse I don't want. That That's one that you guys are kind of on. We're classiness. I'm kind of on the fence, you know. You know, maybe you got an excuse. Maybe this time it will break alertly. It doesn't necessarily look like a horse that, you know, needs to be on the lead or anything, but uh, and you're getting a big price. So that's all. I, I mean, just to start such an important part, especially in these two-year-old races, um, you know, I'd much rather have a, at a short price, have a horse like Wicked Halo, who, man, just really broke clean and sharp and straight, um, as opposed to a horse like Cartel Queen, who's had trouble getting out of the gate twice now. That's all. Okay, well, I'll wish you guys luck with uh, Wicked Halo. I think that is an example of a horse getting a perfect trip. So, uh, but you know, she can, maybe she can make her own trip by getting out quickly again. We'll move to the ninth race. It's the Bashford Manor Stakes, a grade three, six furlongs on dirt. This one for the boys and a purse of 150,000. Chris, what do you think here? Cue Tom oh, sorry, Petty. Was, the, yeah. the waiting is yeah. the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I was. I'm not sure. I don't sure how I. I accidentally put myself on mute there. Um, 
Anyway, uh, this race is a lot like, you know, the last, obviously, but to me, this one's a lot more wide open. The last one, I think the four horses we kind of zeroed in on and we're probably the winner's going to come out of that, those four. You know, this one, there, you know, there probably is a, a, another, you know, Norm Cassie has another favorite. Uh, I like this one a lot more than his horse in the last race, Glacial the four. So I do think that horse is, is good and has speed. But I think it's pretty wide open. Um, I there's just not a lot that I love in here. Um, I I was sort of trying to like the three horse tapped off because um, you know it it's a big price and it and it <laughs> it's probably the thing I liked about it, it was a big price and it's for a trainer I don't know anything about. It's only had three starters. So it's kind of like, yeah, maybe this horse could be okay um, in here. But you know, I, to be honest with you, the more I looked at it, uh, I, th I thought this looks like a wide open race, but I can't figure out who I want to land on. It just seemed like any of them could win. So I don't have a big opinion on here. <laughs> I'll be interested to hear what uh, you and John have to say, Scott, on this one, because I don't have a big opinion on anything. Okay. Chris is taking none in this leg. None. <laughs> John, yes, what, what, none. John, maybe you can clarify a little bit. Yeah, no, it's a tough race. I get it. Um, I, I landed probably, I think the horse is going to be the favorite at the nine red run. And I'm not excited about the horse, but, did, you know, acted professionally in the win. And the one thing I noticed about all these horses, uh, in their debut, they were kind of all kind of long shots. And red run was three to five you know, for whatever that's worth. Uh, I just, I just thought, you know, he was well meant. And like I said, it wasn't a great race, but it was professional enough. And I just had trouble with lots of horses in here. Vodka and Waters had three tries, but I could see that horse winning. I just not excited about that one. Tapped off was 21 to one in the debut. So, you know, and Glacial, I know he beat Vodka and Water, but, uh, you know, do you want to start taking half the price on, on that horse from his debut versus vodka and water who was like three to five, you know, so I have a problem with that. I thought, you know, the 11, you know, had trouble in the last race. They could get you know, trouble at the start, slow out of the gate, but had trouble too. I think it might be, you know, more meant for turf than 11, but not without a shot from a long shot perspective. But um, yeah, I hate to say it, but it, these races, you know, you either go deep or you kind of settle in on one horse and a red run kind of looks like to me, the, the horse. All right. Well, I agree with you guys that you it's a, it's a really tough race, and I am going deep. I did pick a horse on top, though, and that is the 10 Rising Outlaw. Ran from off the pace, off slow fractions in his debut. He drifted a bit, but won pretty well wrapped up and then extended on the gallop out. And this, this is a race that, at least uh, based on my analysis and I think also time form pace projector, that is filled with speed, so be interesting to see if there's a lot of circles in this race, John. Um, so I think that he may have an advantage, and because he won a maiden claimer, he's 30 to one morning line, and 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 actually on the thoroughgraph sheets got the best figure of all these horses, and uh, maybe you know I don't know about 30 to one, but maybe 20 to one or higher. Yeah, I was trying to talk yeah. myself into that one. I. Oh, go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say, I was just curious about you guys, because I, you know, I, I follow pretty much, I guess, New York's my circuit. 
and um, so and some others sometimes. And I so I kind of pay attention to shippers, and when so horses, I, I get a lot of Laurel and Parks kind of horses into New York, and um, so when I look at this one, Maiden Claimer, Indiana, this is almost like to me like Indiana is probably a tier to. It's gotten better, so maybe it's at least a tier and a half below Churchill. So when you get a maiden claimer, and how do you evaluate a maiden claimer from Indiana to Kentucky? To me, it's like it's not just a maiden claimer. It's almost like a equivalent to probably a maiden 20. Um, I, I don't know how you guys look at that, or you're just looking at speed figures. I'd be curious to understand kind of the way you approach that. Well, I'm I'm looking at speed figures first and foremost. But uh, but I also think that there's some pretty quality horses running at Indiana Grand. I mean, uh, there's a horse named Strong Tide who won recently at Keeneland, at the last meet at Keeneland, and he broke his maiden, I think, at Indiana Grand. And you know, their 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 racing has gotten pretty good. So I, I I wouldn't downgrade a horse just because it ran there. I mean, I would if it ran extremely slow fractions on the lead. Well, which I'm downgrading a couple of horses in this race for that. Um, and, you know, if, if they won on the lead and it was a very slow fractions. But, uh, but uh, you know, me personally, I, I don't downgrade for that reason. I don't know about Chris. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I do. I would downgrade. I, the quality of the field that beat isn't much. I, and if you look at it, it's really not. Um, so I, I would definitely downgrade it some, and I, I take, like I said, the speed figures It it did get a big figure on thoroughgraph, but it was because it was four wide and I, I didn't look at the replays for the day. I mean, my guess is in the track, you know, being four wide might not have been a disadvantage. Plus, like I talked about before, it was, you know, a five furlong race with a bunch of first time starters. So the speed figure is really suspect. So. You know, I was kind of, uh, to be honest with you, I might have thrown that one out as my pick just because it's so wide open. If it had any other rider than Rafael Bejarano, who I just cannot bring myself to play even at 30 to 1 in a race. So, um, but I would say that you got to look at the quality of the horses that it beat. And, and you know, to me, it was definitely a tier or two below what these other horses, a lot of these other horses have faced. Well, we do have some... Okay. Can I say one quick thing about pace and speed figures for these types of horses? You know, like I think people overestimate fast early pace on horses like this. And what you really want to do with these young horses, and I learned this from a guy by the name of Carrie Fodius, who's no longer with us, but he was a genius, you know, uh, in terms of pace handicapping and, and form and cycle, form cycles and stuff. And what he found, he did a lot of studies and a lot of work on this. Horses that can distribute their energy when they're younger are much more apt to improve and get better. So what you want to, and I found this too, you, you, know, you want to somehow avoid these horses that could run really fast, you know, for three or four furlongs and then just fall off. And I, you know, you, so I look for balance, you know, finishability more in like in one race uh, versus kind of looking for a horse that went really fast and then maybe slowed down a little bit. And it's just a different approach. Uh, it, may, it may be contrarian to a lot of people what they they think. And I and I like time for him. I know the guy Craig. He's great. You know. I, uh, but the, the one thing I think they do is they they kind of overinflate their f figures for horses who could run really fast early. And and like I said, sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing. It's it's the horse doesn't you know can't really 
balance himself. You know, he's just like, he's kind of headstrong. So it's just something that, that, that I just love. It's just a difference of opinion that I wanted to bring up. All right. Well, I'm just going to yeah. throw out a couple other horses that, um, you know, just for that, that I'm going to use in this race. I think she's got attitude. Uh, if you look at her last race, she lost her footing at the start of the race uh, in the gate at, you know, that's why she was off slow. And then she, she was also running against the boys. She checked at the beginning and she was never comfortable in the slop. She's working bullets for this. So I think she's got a long shot bombers chance, but I would also agree with, uh, with both you, John and Chris, uh, red run and glacial are kind of uses. They're not value, but they're kind of uses. And, um, I think double thunder even has a shot because he, he was off a little bit slow and, uh, ended out, uh, coming from behind and winning in a whipless race at Monmouth. Yeah, I was just going to follow up on what John said. I, to me, if you have two speed horses that uh, that are going against one another, and one of them was in a much faster pace than the other, then I definitely favor the faster paced horse. But I agree that if you can find a horse that ran evenly and did it off the pace. So if they ran evenly and they were setting a, a slow early pace, I don't see that as such a big deal. But if they were sitting off a hot pace, but then ran an even race and then kind of finished up, those are the kind I like the most, especially when they're di as they start going longer distance. Like in this case, most of the horses are going from five to six furlongs. So the kind of horse that John described, I totally agree. Where I'm a little bit more suspect is if they did that on the lead, I'm not as 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 um, interested as if they did it, you know, they settled off the lead and ran that way. Because a lot of times, those horses that get an easy lead, it's completely different when they get pressured on the front end. That's all. That's so it, it's complicated. It's not real simple. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, Chris, you need to at least give yourself a chance to uh, have a winner on top. So which one are you going to take a stab with in this race? Uh, um, okay, <laughs> you're going to make me pick a horse. Uh, all right, I'll go with a price. Um, well, <laughs> I should have known you would make me um, pick somebody. Uh, well, I mean, you would do the same to me, I think. Yes, I would. I would. I would. Um uh okay i'll just go with tapped off and uh, at, at just because of the price not because i think he's any 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 great shakes so i'll go with the three tapped off okay let's move to a race that has a little more a little clearer form and that is the 10th it's the wise dan stakes grade two mile 16th on turf purse of three hundred thousand for four-year-olds and up and I think it's John's turn this time. John, what do you think? Yeah, to me, the pace dynamics of this race, meaning, you know, the way they're going to run the race, who's going to take the lead and so forth, favor the number three, some like it hot brown, and number eight field pass, right? They look like they're going to be forward in a race that doesn't really have a lot of pace. So, you know, that, that's good for them. Uh, the problem is I just don't trust them all that much. So this is a race that's probably going to, you know, use them, but also use some underneath too. Um, you know, I guess you could use Ryder Comet. You know, that's a class dropping horse. And so I think that horse 
you know, is viable. From a long shot perspective, I think the number five hierarchy, okay, and the number nine spooky channel, those are horses that uh, maybe can get into exotics. Um, you know, maybe you put them on some of your deeper backup tickets if things kind of fall apart up front. Uh, I just think those are horses that are capable of closing into paces like this, slow paces. You know, they, they don't, they lack some of the, you know, the class and speed of, uh, of, you know, the other runners, some like at hot Brown, but, um, I think those horses might be, you know, value underneath. And again, you know, if they can upset the apple cart, you know, maybe that's one of the races. But horse I'm really not, I'm kind of against, and I'm really shocked at the morning line. I just would love to get you guys' opinion on set piece. I don't know how that's the morning line favorite. I just don't see it. I mean, I just think from a class perspective is below. Um, I just don't think it's going to get the kind of right setup in this race. I think the dynamics are against this horse. I'm really surprised to see this. I guess it's Brad Cox. I, I I don't know. I'm just I know I know that was a good race last time, but this is a tough a bunch, and uh, I just don't think the race sets up for him. Uh, who did you end up picking on top there, Je- Je- John? I, I, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna, <laughs> did I'm you pick? Go, I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the eight field pass. Um, you know, okay. I, it's going to be interesting to see with the maker if both those horses are entered right because I think they're the the speed and the presser. But, I, you know, in that case, when I see a dynamic that favors, like, what we call quadrant one in, in, in uh, optics, I always kind of lean on the horse that's going to be at a better price. Fair enough. Um, as far as set piece, I think he's a legit favorite and will be favored. What do you think, Chris? The waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. Sorry about that. Um, the unmuting. I'm going to I'm gonna have to practice with the mute button before the next podcast. I've, I've put myself in detention. Um, I really like the race uh, to go the same way that John said. I just, I just think some like a hot brown and field pass are really good. I, I'm stronger on those two. Um, and they're both makers, so they're not going to hook up. And I, I, some like it hot brown. I think just a really nice horse. And when he can get a lead, he's just don't beat him. Yeah, to me, that horse is the only time it loses is when it gets in a, just in, behind some incredibly fast pace. But if it can, if it can get the lead, um, you know, to me, this horse is really or just can can just you know, it seems to be getting a Billy now to settle a little bit too. I. I just think he's definitely the horse to beat the three horse. I'm like in hot Brown, but I really like field pass too. I liked him last time some, uh, but the distance I think was just too far. And they, I think the plan was to send him to the lead and they did, but then channel cat was just really hard ridden to get the lead. And, and um, they just couldn't keep up with that horse and, and the distance was too long. So to me, that was an excuse. And then the race before that was the race where, it just completely fell apart in the maker mile and all those horses that were near the lead that day have come back and run well, um, you know, including some like it hot Brown. So to me, field pass is sitting on a big race here. um, And he should get that perfect trip stalking some like it hot Brown. Now he may not be able to beat some like it hot Brown, but to me, he's the one that, that could beat him. And, and I'm not too high on any of the others other than set piece. You know, I have a little more respect for him, I think, than John did. Um, 
but from a, just a tactical standpoint, it seems like the maker horses have this race, you know, the field over a barrel. Um, so to me, it's three eight, and I, you know, eight's the values, like John said in here. Well, uh, I have a pretty strong opinion on some like at Hot Brown. I, 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 I think the horse is a lock in this race. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they possibly beat it. If you watch the replay of that last race, it's not even in the chart, but some like it hot brown stumbled at the start. Watch the head on. I, I don't remember exactly, you know, I can't picture it because I, I wrote down the, the I wrote it down my in formulator at the time. But he I do remember him stumbling at the start and then he was a little bit rank going down the stretch the first time at Pimlico. And then he just and he, he didn't have the lead. He didn't need the lead. We were debating whether he would get the lead, right? Whether there'd be a hot pace or not. And we were thinking that he needed the lead. And it turns out that he doesn't need the lead. And he powered home and he galloped out huge. And he's got plenty of spacing since that last race. To me, he's a stone cold single in this race. Hey John, I, jump in. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, no, I, 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 I could see that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't argue with that. Um, I'm still, I still think he's going to be the favorite, though. <laughs> I, I know set piece. He might I mean, be. He might be. Yeah, set piece. I mean, you know, he's run one time in the greatest stakes race, Grade Three, and he ran fourth in that race at Fair Fairgrounds. And uh, you know, I just from a class perspective, I mean, I just think you know, like three, you know, has it over him. So I just think that's that's. And I think people are going to see what we're seeing. If you know, all three of us see that, uh, it looks like he's got the pace advantage. I think that's he's going to be the favorite. But I wouldn't argue with him with, with someone trying to single him, not at all. Like, I yeah, I mean, you know, to me, I think, value, I think there's value trying to beat the one in like the try and the supers, you know. And I just think uh, like some of the ones I mentioned, the the five and the nine could be sneaky just to get not 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 to win, right? Just to get in underneath at a big price. Yeah, I, I the, the the great thing about the one is it makes some like it hot brown playable because otherwise yeah. he'd be four to five or or less in this race. So uh, so I hope they do bet set piece. Um, yeah, he, he has been favored in his last three races. Yeah, the the I I just oh, yeah, want to add one other the other Go thing ahead, about John. Set piece, it looks it, yeah, the other thing about set piece, it looks like he does his best running on softer ground too. So I'm wondering if it's and it depends on the weather, you know, uh if it's firm, again another I think it'd be another downgrade then. We we had even in some past notes where he didn't really handle firm going. So I'm just you know, maybe that's something else against him if, if it comes up firm on uh Saturday. Yeah, I, I just was going to add, there's one other horse that I kind of thought was the maybe the one that could clunk up for a piece at a big price, and that's the six-horse Kentucky Ghost. The reason I'm not higher on him is, again, because of the rider. So I wouldn't I wouldn't play it to win, but it's kind of improving four-year-old that um, I think, you know, he seems to finish off all his races on the turf. So I I... You know, to me, that horse wouldn't shock me at all um, if it, you know, hit the board. And I, you know, after the top two, it seems like it's as good as any. So that's the one big price I might include. 
We'll move to the 11th race. It is the Stephen Foster Stakes, grade two, mile and eighth on dirt. Purse of 600000 for four-year-olds and up. Chris, can you beat Maxfield? Well, you know, I'm always trying to beat Maxfield. This is probably the time where I think he looks stronger. I mean, like, especially when he was in that race at Santa Anita, I was really against him. I didn't play the last time he ran, so I'm, I wasn't following that race. I'm not sure, you know, what he beat in there. But, you know, he's the best horse. He seems – one of my big negatives on him was he was so ouchy, but he's actually been able to, keep, you know, string together a campaign, and he seems to still be training well. So, you know, that – you know, maybe they've gotten over whatever soundness issues he had. So, I, you know, I do think he's the one to beat. I'm not nearly as negative on him as I have been in some of his other races, but he's probably two to five, maybe even lower in here. So – and he's he's not invincible. And and the horse that I like, uh, I liked this horse last time, and it just got a brutal trip in the stretch. Was the seven South Bend? I thought the horse was really sitting on a big race last time. It looked like it was just about to make the winning move, and then it got completely slammed shut um, in the stretch and had no chance after that. So I, you know. To me, I've got to play that horse back. I think it's still sitting on a big race. Um, just hope it gets a better trip this time. Um, don't know if it's good enough to beat Maxfield, but I think it's good enough to beat the rest of the horses, and it, and it should be a pretty good price. So, um, you know, the seven South Bend, I think, is the value play. But if I play verticals, I probably will reluctantly save underneath Maxfield um, just because he does seem to be kind of superior to these okay that's um one attempt to beat maxfield john what did you think <laughs> yeah i i feel the same i i want to beat this horse so bad i wanted to beat him last time i want to beat him a lot of times and he's just he's just i can't find anybody so he's, he's going to be real short too short i i guess the alternatives i'm okay with um, chris's seven but i thought the five silver dust and the four sprawl really uh, plots wonderful, beautifully. So, I mean, you, you, I, I give him a shot just based on his plot. I wouldn't take him out. But Silver Dust is sneaky. And it's, this Brett Calhoun uh, is a really under-the-radar kind of trainer, I think. I think this guy's an excellent trainer. Uh, and um, the horse is coming off a layoff. But he's run figures in the past, that, you know, that could win this race. You know, he gets he's at his home track. You know, he's hit the board a lot. You know, going this distance. And the one thing I would say about Max Field, he's never won at nine furlongs. Now, he's never run at nine furlongs either. He, he had one uh, race longer, uh, and that was the San Anita race, and he lost that one. So I'm not sure that this is his optimal distance. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But, um, you know, I can't take two to five. I'm either passing this race, but, you know, I have to include him if I'm betting the pick six or the pick five in this case. But I probably use the four, five, and seven you know, as backups. Well, uh, I have not been as negative on Maxfield as Chris has, uh, although I was against him in the Santa Anita handicap because he was running on short rest off a big race. And um, too bad uh, I didn't actually have the winner in that race. Uh, but it was the one time I was really against Maxfield. I might have been against him once when he was younger. But, uh, 
But I, I think he's an impressive horse. I've got a lot of really nice trip notes on him. And, you know, the interesting thing is this race used to be a handicap. And because it's not a handicap, Maxfield is carrying two more pounds than most of these horses, if not all of them. And that's all he's carrying more. He should be carrying like eight more pounds than these horses because he's clearly the fastest horse. So um, I, I, I'm going to have two singles in this sequence. It's going to be something like at Hot Brown and Maxfield. And I'm going to have to be lean and mean in the other legs. But um, I, I, I don't see beating Maxfield right now. He's just he he he's like he's like improbable was last year. Uh, he's he's you know he's that fast and against this field, I mean he's he should be able to take care of them pretty easily. I knew improbable and Maxfield is no improbable. <laughs> <laughs> you you have to say that like George Bush. I knew improbable. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we know it's not true. <laughs> okay, I got I the think, wrong I think we went, Yes, I, I think you got the wrong guy. But anyway, um, <laughs> it was probably a bad, uh, bad joke on my part. Anyway, so let's just move on to the next race. Although I will, I do want a second. I do want a second, John on sprawl. He's kind of interesting at a price too, um, as well. Uh, he and South Bend are probably the two that um, maybe have a chance to upset Maxfield. Yeah, and, and I will second you on South Bend. I mean, that, that's the horse. I, I I'm not going to use him in the pick five, but he did get. You know, I, I was on him in that last race, like you were, and he got majorly shut off in the stretch. And Gaplione stays with him, and this could be his coming out party. So we'll move to the twelfth race. It's the Teppan Stakes, a mile on turf, purse of one hundred fifty thousand for three-year-old fillies. John, what did you think? Uh, tough race. I, I think this is a very suspect field. Um, you have a lot of horses stretching out. You know, they, they look more like sprinters. You know, all trying to do a route. The one horse I think that kind of distinguishes himself from that is Invincible Gal, or she and she kind of. So I because I, I think she's just kind of like a horse that's probably most likely to route and versus these others look more like the sprinter type. So I just think got an advantage over these. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think the races in New York were pretty strong. She comes out of, and I just, uh, I know she'd run against some of these others. I just think just from where she is in a form cycle, I think she's going to have upside. And I just think, you know, if I have to kind of go hard here, I, you know, I would go with her as my key horse. Um, the other horse I thought was kind of interesting because i mean i just again some of these others i just it's difficult for me to decipher what they're going to do but the uh, number five navratilova this course could be you know if they decide like they just want to go with this horse i mean i don't trust this horse but i mean i think this is a horse that maybe can get out clear everybody and has the potential to wire the field um she, she ran like one time at a route and she had she chased that um What's that? Uh, Pearl. And Pearl. Yeah. And Pearl, she chased, right? And so she tired out. And, but her other two sprints, you know, like she kind of wasn't covered up. She was wide her last time. Uh, the time before, she ran a really good speed figure. So I wouldn't kind of like just toss. I know she's been beaten by Toby's heart, maybe some of these others in here, but I, I just don't like 
Toby's heart and new balls for these horses stretching out. I think one's the horse, but I'm going to, you know, save a little bit with the five. Okay. Invincible gal, nine to two morning line. I'm wondering if you actually will get that much. Chris, what did you think? No way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Invincible gal is probably the most likely winner. Um, Navratilova. I love that name. It's, I think the mayor is center court. So that was a really good name for that horse. Navratilova does seem like she could maybe stretch out at a price. So I'm with John on those two. The other horse I was kind of interested in and I kind of depends on the price. I'm not sure it's priced right on the morning line. And that's the um, seven horse adventuring. Uh, The thing I like about this horse is it's one start on on synth at Turfway was really good. And now they put it on turf and it's really well bred. It's out of questing. It was a really nice mare. Um, and by Pioneer of the Nile. So, you know, the horse ought to be able to, to turf and that really good synth start says it probably will turf. And, um, you know, it's five on the morning line. That, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be five to one. I, I, I was a little surprised. I thought it would be higher. Um, you know, five to one, I'm not real excited, but if it floated up, that horse is kind of interesting because it could run a big race first turf. And was entered in three straight turf races that were washed off the turf. Um, in it's uh, career debut. The beginning of its career. I think that horse will be shorter. I think it'll be shorter. Well, I'm going to land on, uh, I, I, I didn't like the stat on Town Avenger of Brian Lynch going sprint to route uh, first to second race on turf. He's a one for 22. But because this race was so inscrutable, I decided to watch that last race. And um, she looked really impressive in that race. She, she, she's a big horse. At least she appeared to be a big horse to me. And she ran down some loose speed that was on the lead. She was like four wide the whole way and just looked like she needed, she needed more ground, right? She just looked like she was going to excel at a longer distance. Now I'm not sure why they started the horse at five and a half furlongs, but maybe it was like just optimal time. Like she was ready to start and like that was the best turf race that they could put her in. Um, it seems sort of unlikely, but but I'm going to believe my eyes. She looked really impressive. She galloped out really big, um, not really big, but like best. Um, she looked like she wants more ground. So I think, you know, Spitestown out of an, uh, an empire maker mare, I think 10 to one would be pretty nice on this horse. And, you know, coming out of a maiden win, maybe it's higher than six to one. Did I say six to one? <laughs> six to one is the morning line. And I think it could go off a little higher. John, I, I can see that. on this. I, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, Scott. I, that horse had a you know, difficult trip. It was kind of uncovered and, and wide throughout, so I thought that was a pretty good race. Um, the, the question I have for you guys is, like, you do this pick five, everything. Is there, like, a criteria you use to select, you know, hey, this pick five looks like something I really want, how I want to invest in it. You know, it looks like a good pick five. Or, you know, how do you, how do you determine which ones you want to spend more money on? Which ones you want to kind of like? Okay, I'll take a shot, but it's going to be I'm going to I'm going to not put a lot of money into it. Is there like because for me for me when I look at things like this and you know Scott you mentioned you're going to 
singling two favorites in there. And then to me, there's like two other races that the favorites could win. So I'd be like, geez, this may not be a, a pick five. I really want to get really involved in, you know, maybe I'll take a shot with a small ticket. Is that how, I mean, I'm just trying to understand strategy a little bit. So help me out. Well, usually I don't, um, I, I don't, I'm not as chalky. <laughs> you know, usually like maybe there's one chalk in my sequence. So, so I, uh, I'm actually presented with a new conundrum here and that is uh, how to play the pick five, but I would like to play it because I do have two singles and I think one of them is a little bit of value thanks to set piece. Uh, I, I'm going to look toward weighting my picks so that maybe I go a little deeper, maybe like a $2 pick five with uh, a horse that, you know, the, the, if, if on the, the ones and twos, if I play that horse with the two favorites, it's not going to pay very much, but I, that might be a, a play where I put two bucks on that se- sequence. Um, and that's that's the way I'm looking at it, and I'm going to start my planning later tonight. As I as I mentioned last week, uh, I've I found that um, working on these things, working on the pick four, the pick five, uh, the night before, is actually really helpful for me. Um, I, I'd be interested in Chris's opinion at answer to that question as well. Well, just one preface to that, I think that Saturday is closing day at Churchill. So I think there's mandatory payouts on everything, including the pick six, which is normally some sort of jackpot pick six. So you might want to think about the pick six if there's a a big carryover. I'll have to see today what the carryover is and find out for sure if it's a mandatory payout. But um, so if you're thinking about playing the pick five, you might want to consider the pick six given the the carryover uh, and the mandatory payout. But for me, you know, I handicap the races and then I go back through and see what, you know, where I have strong opinions and what's the best way to play it. And for a pick five, you know, I'm looking at how many legs can I gain equity in and how many in, and are how many legs do I, am I just trying to, like, survive and break through? Um, and that really is what determines it for me. So, like, in this sequence i don't really have a, a horse i really like in any of the the legs um you know maybe south bend some but i i have a lot of respect for maxfield and he's going to be a super short price so that's not too exciting and field pass maybe that one a little more so but again i have a lot of respect for some like it hot browns in a short price so i you know i probably am definitely not going to be playing the pick five in here but if I did have a couple of horses, like say I thought South Bend and Field Pass were going to be really good value, and I thought I could get through efficiently the other three legs, I might play this sequence. But I've got to have at least two and hopefully three legs where I think I'm really gaining equity before I'm going to play the pick five. And um, you know that that's kind of how I look at it. I'm not really looking at at it at like how many horses I got to use or how big a ticket I got to play. I'm more like what legs can I gain equity and which ones am I going to just try to break even and survive? And that's kind of how I, I work through it. And I actually wrote a paper about, or a little blog piece about this very topic, a couple of them around the pick five. Um, so if you're really interested, I'll send you a link to that, John, if you want to read it. Sure. No, I think, I think that's right. I, that approach is kind of the approach I 
I take two. And, and you're right, it is a mandatory, by the way. So I think the pick six, especially the, you know, the, since the first leg looks pretty interesting, might be uh, an option. So it's something to look at. But there is there is a mandatory payout on that pick six. Okay, that's good. I thought there was, but I hadn't checked to make sure because it is closing day. I think I, at Churchill. Yes, it is. Yes. Unfortunately, the seventh race does not look easy. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, which, I love it. I, I, there's that's a stone good. cold that's good. single. Yeah, there's a stone cold single in the seventh race. Well, well bring it, it on, baby! Come on, number seven, number seven helium. He's gonna crush. You don't even have to handicap it. I'm tossing that horse. <laughs> All right. I, I okay. I <laughs> and that's that, folks, is why they run the races. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Well, you know, no, I mean, breeding-wise, that horse I, I does look pretty, pretty formidable. Chris, I, I, just why is that horse in that spot? Because Ironic, he's been, I, ironic is out of a stakes-winning turf mare. He's a he's yeah, a turf I, horse. I, I, that, that horse hasn't showed me anything that to me that looks like a turf horse. Well, it won. It's two for two on synth, and it's it's bred to yeah, run that's on turf. turf. That really, that's really not turf. I, 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 it's a different, it's a different beast. I mean, it, it's the old, it's the old like uh, what was his name, Harvey Pack thing, you know, taking a short price on a horse that's never done, and he's gonna be short. Uh, I don't care what. Oh, I get. He's line. not even the he's not even the morning line favorite. Yeah, yeah I mean Harvey Pack don't said choice. don't take a horse as the favorite doing something it's never done before. Yeah, and this horse is gonna be. You don't think this horse is gonna be the favorite? No. I think I Royal think Prince would be the favorite. That Brad Cox Jerome horse will be the favorite. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be tight. It'll be close. It will. It, but still, it, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. But you know, if you can get a single at three to one, take it. Yeah, I like if, the one. If you like it, if you don't like the horse, I agree that synth isn't the same as turf, but synth is closer to turf than dirt. And this horse, you know, he was on the Triple Crown Trail. He, he, he I, you know, I kind of liked him even on, in the dirt. But to me, he does look like a. A turf horse and you know he's now he gets back on the turf where he belongs gets a good rider switch and he's in a race yeah. with that not much to beat i mean there's nothing in this race maybe well, no, the I mean, wesley ward I mean, horse is a little dangerous yeah i like the one i think the one's not bad um credit well, that horse kind of see to me and, that's uh, the big underlay that that's the big underlay in the race to me at seven to two that and that, but, I don't I mean, like that horse at all. But, yeah, the morning line bad, in my opinion, for this race. I just well, if I you're right about that, it could change things. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any other yeah. plays in this uh, on this Churchill Downs card from you, gentlemen? No, I don't. I, don't, I really didn't look at anything else. You know, kind of focused in on the the races that we discussed. I okay. actually like the fifth the fifth race. I did like I I want to try to beat Latruska and, and Ebutante, I think are gonna take all the money in that race. And I, I like Spices Nice, the five horse. Um it's really well bred. It it has been fast ever since its debut race. And now it goes third start off a layoff. 
I think it could run a really big race in here. It's and it's eight to one on the morning line. Don't know if you'll get that, but if they if they pound Latruska, you might get that eight to one. So to me, five spices nice is pretty interesting in that race. Okay, well, um, it should be a great card. Look forward to spending the day watching it and playing the at least the pick five. I'd like to thank our guest, John Doyle. John, thanks for helping us handicap this week. That was great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we'll see what you know. We'll see how it happened, how everything uh, pans out at the races. But uh, but always fun and uh, glad to have you back. That will conclude show number one twenty seven of the Sport of Kings Pod. Good luck in the late pick five at Churchill Downs, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on the Cheers. Giddy up.